service or something? No, anybody, anywhere. Um, it doesn't help if you have a, a, a federal or state <clears throat> retirement. It doesn't count towards that. Uh, yeah. Um, but like, say if it's a big fire or something like like so, like say for example, like I, I have some people that work for me that are active military. Right. When they go off, like it doesn't like they just put in leave because they have orders. If it's like a big fire or something, you were state, local, or or federal, would they allow you like, hey, because it's like like the Baltimore fire, like the early nineteen hundreds, right? Thing, like they need firefighters down there. Do they excuse that because you're a volunteer firefighter in the Marine type of thing? Or I, certain acts or certain things that they not that I'm aware of, if I understand your question, it's um, uh, everybody's trained to the same standard, uh, at least in Baltimore County. The career, Baltimore County is a unique county where you have, it started out as volunteer, and then the county realized the need, hey, we don't have enough volunteers to cover the whole county. So they have the, had the, developed the paid uh, companies, and there was some animosity for, all, for, for a while. Um, but, um, between, uh, Baltimore County Fire Department and Maryland Volunteer Firearms Association, they all got together. So they, you, you train to the same standard. Um, now the paid guys, they got a lot more training, a lot of more recurrent training, but it's still, it's like a part-time job being a volunteer firefighter these days. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a commitment. And, but they, after... Well, they started while I was still in. It's called LOSAP. I don't know what it stands for, but it's basically that gives you so many points for every fire, so many points for training, so many points for fundraising, so many blah, blah, blah. And you accrue all these points over the years. And you get a retirement that, you know, we'll buy some beer every month. I mean, you're not going to get rich off of it, but, you know, they throw some money at you. Because there's, there's a lot of people that dedicate their whole lives to that. Um, and just the training standards, the recurrent training is ridiculous. I mean, the same thing with you guys, you know, hazmat, uh, bloodborne pathogens, blah, blah, blah. And it's all got, you got to do it every year. You're yeah. recertified. It's just, yeah. it's a commitment. Yeah. I think the one, the people that take care of us, White Marsh, they're volunteer. Uh, where's that? They're right down the street, White Marsh Volunteer Fire. Yeah, right across from us. Oh, yeah. Carmack. They're, yeah, they're nice awesome. Yeah. They're really my son has asked me a couple of times and they showed up. And, yep. And then like, you know, Baltimore County shows up, but I well, guess they're a quicker response. You're dispatched um, for every square foot in the county has uh, a pre-planned fire response. So you all get dispatched over the same channel. You know, it, you know, it could be two paid stations and two volunteer stations all on the same call. Mm-hmm. Um, and but everybody is on the same radios. Everybody works together. You know, if I am a volunteer and I say, "Hey, you know, go get me this," you know exactly what I'm talking about, and vice versa. And we're all working towards the same goal, right? Yeah. You know, now it's not to say in different jurisdictions around the country, oh, there's huge animosity. I was out in St. Louis and I was at this bar. I was out there for training, and there was a bunch of uh, firefighters that hung out there, paid. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a volunteer from the East Coast. They all but punched me in the face and kicked me out of that bar. Really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. What like, what's the beef with that? I it's egos, animosity. That's uh, I don't get it. it is, yeah, that's 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 where you would think like. It's, I mean, we're all like. We're would all, you all do that with like volunteer police? You'd be like, please, I'm more to marry. Like, yeah, I don't think my job be like. I don't know. I mean, I think 
We'll just crack a couple jokes. Yeah. But what would? But I'm 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 just saying because you all are paid officers. Like I don't know what joke I'll be like. You want to do this shit for free? Like you yeah. see what I'm saying? Like I, I would be like, hard. thank you, bro. But like I don't like I don't know what the anim- like. It's weird because when I used to be a federal background investigator, um, the A10 pilots versus the um, the the fighter jet pilots, right? Dog. It's Crips and Bl- it's it's like that. Oh oh oh! The A oh. ten pilots, because so the ones that that we see with the like they're, Martin State, yeah. The so the Martin, so A-10 so the A tens are tank killers, but the jet, you know, like think of like um, Top Gun. They go at it. They don't. You you call the A ten pilot? They're like, man. Oh, those, it's, those it's all. How like, big is my dick syndrome? Dog, it gets it's, serious. Yeah, A ten is one of the best planes ever designed. And yes. they've been trying to kill it for yeah past 15 years i think they might have finally killed it but it was designed for close air support yeah um and it's indestructible yeah yeah the pilots sit in a bathtub made of i don't know yeah. kryptonite yeah she kills tanks yeah and and you can blow those things half apart look yeah. next time you're killing time on just google you know damaged yeah. a10 aircraft yeah missing half the tail missing yeah. half a wing and they yeah. still make it home yeah still survive because they planes. so jets like jets kind of shoot and then they got to go out a mile but they're fast that they come back again like a10s can kind of like hover so it's it's, a, it's a, they're badass they're just amazing well funny story so right up um right near where i live is a uh, it's a farm brewery called inverness okay. and it's a beautiful hundred some acre farm it used to be a horse farm but the people that own the brewery they they've been there for 20 years they're cattle people and anyway they're having this big party one it was preakness weekend and there's a gajillion people there and um, so the the A-10s were doing the flyover at the Preakness. Mm-hmm. Well, they were loitering up over mm-hmm. that neck of the county. And one of the pilots must drink at Inverness um, because he he's, you know, they're just up there kind of circling. And then all of a sudden, um, they come in, they come in real tight and they do a low pass right over the farm. And the announcer for the party, he was just like, and he didn't miss a beat. He goes, and for your uh, you know, viewing you know, pleasure, uh, Maryland Air, Air National Guard has uh, agreed to do a low flyover. You know, if you want to direct your attention. I mean, he, yeah. just like it was scripted. Yeah. And they did a low pass, flipped their wings, and off oh, they went. Shit. It was funny as shit. Yeah. And everybody thought that it was legit. Oh, no. Yeah. They just saw a huge crowd of people at the brewery and said, well, let's give them a low pass. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's good that's stuff. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> listen, to see it's them now. It's beautiful to yeah. drink. That's crazy. I never knew that though. We got we we gotta ask uh, we gotta ask uh, Brennan about that. About what? Like, what's the beef with like volunteer? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I, I, I never knew that though. I never knew there's like a whole thing about that. It's it's not I think so every much anymore. Sector okay, has their own little thing to it. You know the what? I think every sector, every you know entity has its own kind of like competition. The last time I heard there was friction was down in this end of the county. But that, you know, that was 10 years ago I heard that. I mean, as far as I know, everybody works pretty damn close. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of paid career firefighters are also volunteers. Yeah. yeah. So when they're, you know, when they're off duty, you know, like they're riding a volunteer engine right beside their co-workers on a different shift at the, yeah. at the other engine company. I'm just looking. Silver Back Chronicles Podcast. It's your boy, Big H. I got my brother, Dre. Yo, hello, okay, what's good? What's up, bro? Send a brother here. All day, every day. Let's get it. Triple C. Yo. What's good, baby? Maintaining and chilling, bro. I love it. 
Folks, we're back at it. Your boy, Season 5, once again, we appreciate you. We love you. Please keep tuning in. Tell a friend and tell a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, we're going to jump right into this. We got a special guest tonight, a brother. This man is amazing, so talented, smart. He's got the jewels to everything. We're not going to waste no time. No further ado, our brother Bill is in the building. What's up, Bill? All good. All How you doing, brother? Happy to be here, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, happy Absolutely. to be here. Yes. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm fine. I'm, you know, sorry it took me so long to get down here. So good. You know, you've been flying all over the world. Yeah, scaring people every week. That's there it. you go. <laughs> Bill's our first pilot on this show. So, pilots in the building. Commercial, commercial airline. Yep. 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 How is that? It's fun. I, you know, I, I, I love, love flying large aircraft. Um, it's a good time. Every flight is different. Every flight's different. I mean, wow. I may I may go, you know, between the same cities, but you always have different weather. You have different passengers. You have different mechanical. And if it's a good day, you're just kind of chilling, sightseeing. But hmm. when you got to work, you got to work. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's all good though. Yeah, that's so, what that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes you nervous. So yeah. where where did this passion come from? Have you always wanted to be a pilot? My mom said when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pilot and a fireman. Mm. I've done both. I uh, joined the volunteer fire service when I was 16 up in northern Baltimore County mm-hmm. and uh, still involved indirectly with the local uh, fire department um, adjacent to where I was a member. And, uh, that's how I got to know Dre, through mutual friends. That's awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Well, how'd you find yourself doing both? Um, Two different lifestyles, huh? Tremendously. Um I advanced rapidly through the volunteer fire service. I was able to uh, join at 16 Northern Baltimore County station and um, home life. Wasn't the best. Dad was uh, pretty much a jerk. Mm -hmm. So anything to get me out of the house uh, was good. And I'm a quick study. I took every training course I could get my hands on just to advance myself up the ladder. And, um, and I did, I, I rapidly climbed the ranks and held a couple different officer positions and, a bunch of my buddies that I met there, they wanted to be career firefighters. I'm like, come on, come on, Bill. We're going to the city. Well, we're going to Baltimore County or we're, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, I got to go do this pilot thing. Mm. So off I went. And that was a, a long, hard road. I had to work and then pay for my flying, work to pay for my flying. And then more flying training and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. How, how is, is that like a, to become a commercial airline pilot? Is that like a school or? Well, there's a couple different avenues you can go on. You can be, uh, you can go to um, a university. There's many of them throughout the country dedicated to flight training and or uh, aeronautical engineer or anything related to aviation. Uh, and they'll uh, pair up your flight training with a degree program. I started that route. It didn't work out for me. Uh, my flying grades were straight A's. There's a little dyslexia swirling around back here so uh i opted to go for um just concentrate on my flight training Mm -hmm. and so i went to a a different type of flight school that is it's the same regulations as like a university's uh flight department as opposed to just going down to the local airport and the benefits of that are you're late you're able to proceed through the program because of the curriculum design with a little bit less total time. Uh, there's there's some advantages, a better curriculum, less time, but a little more money. So I got the best of both worlds. Is that like more flying, less books? 
Uh, no, it's 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 all the same, but it's just it's a it's a more regimented curriculum. Um, that worked for you. You're basically, you're 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 doing it at a college level, um, where other flight schools, if that were just kind of like you know you're out in the middle of wherever and you go down to the country airport, um, that's a different set of regulations. Um, federal regula- federal regulations. You guys are familiar with them. I mean. They'll make your head spin. So just like in anything in this country, you have to answer to the federal aviation regulations. Mm. So, yeah. So once I, you know, climb my way up through the ranks and uh, once you get all your licenses and ratings, that's that's the easy part in hindsight. Then you got to go out and get experience. Because mm. It's like getting your first credit card. If you don't have any credit, nobody's going to give you any. Right. So if you don't have any flight experience... Nobody's going to give you anything. So you have to lie, cheat, beg, and steal to get flight time. Now, that was for my generation. Today's generation, that's a whole different ball of wax. We can jump on that topic another day. But <laughs> Right. Totally different. Um, I, I mean, I did all kinds. Typically, the way you build your flight time, there's two routes. You become a flight instructor and you teach other people how to fly. Mm. I wanted no parts of that. I wanted to actually fly. So um, my first job as a commercial airline pilot I was towing banners up and down the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Really? Oh, Back wow. and forth. You know. Oh, eat, flying with yeah, the signs yeah. up yeah. in the air. That's you pretty know, cool. Eat at uh, Joe's Crab House. Right. You know, yeah, you know, you know, have brunch here. You need a divorce lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you Tommy, will you marry me, Sue? Right, you know, yeah. All that <laughs> crap. What's the funniest or like the wildest request you do? I don't know. 90% of the time, you don't know what you're telling. Oh. You're just, you're just you're, flying you're it. You're just flying it. So it from, and it's the whole beach. Yeah. Wow. Or or sometimes it'll be specific to a, an area. So they outfitted one of the aircraft down there with extra fuel tanks. So you're up there for six hours. Back and forth. Oh, Stop I was going to ask you, really? Back and forth. So, Can you, you know, imagine that? that that brings in a whole host of other problems. Yeah, I won't go into all that. But uh, <laughs> um, so then I, I transferred up to Ocean City, Maryland. Doing the same so, thing? Doing the same thing. I saw it a few um, weeks ago. Very dangerous job. Very, very dangerous. So much so, really? my, my roommate was killed doing it, and that was the oh, last man. day I towed banners. Get out of here. Yeah. What makes it so dangerous? Um. So, is it a, very territorial over there? No, 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 not territorial. It's okay. just just the, the mechanics of it. So you take off the tail on the tail of the aircraft. There are four or five hooks that have, um, you know, you you hook your tow rope onto. So you, the tow rope has a ring. You hook it to one of the catches on the tail of the aircraft. Then you bring the rope up that has a grappling hook on the end of it. You tie it on the strut of the wing. So you've got four of them tied there. Well, you take off, you fly around, and the ground crew has set up your banner to be picked up. They basically suspend a string between two upright poles. Um, so you undo one of the grappling hooks that trails behind the aircraft and you come in steep and you go out steep idea being it's to swing the hook through the uprights to catch the rope if it does you're going this way and then the banner peels off the ground and follows you well the problem being at the end of the aircraft you have the controls for the rudder which is the vertical uh tail of the airplane so so to speak and that's controlled by your feet well the way these aircraft are designed there are cable connecting rods that stick out of the fuselage um, that catch the cables 
And that's what actuates the rudder. Well, problem being, the second thing they teach you when you're towing banners, the first thing is take your sunglasses off before you stick your head out the door and check to make sure that the rope isn't wrapped around that steel horn. Um, so the Jesus problem being Christ. is if you don't check it and you didn't clear that rope off of that horn, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. So the weight of the banner, you know, the drag starts to increase, increase, increase. And if it's wrapped around it, you get a full rudder deflection. Mm. Well, the only way to counteract a full rudder deflection is opposite aileron. And that promptly puts you into what's called a cross control stall or puts you into a cross control stall. And basically you become a lawn dart. And that's oh. what happened to my buddy Lenny. Wow. Yeah. And they actually that's what happened to, um, there were two brothers that started the uh, outfit in ocean city. And, uh, one of the brothers was killed that exact same way. Doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So dangerous. sorry to hear that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So after well, that, he was explaining that shit, I was n like, no, a lot to go into it. Just picking the fucking what? banner up. Yeah. Just oh yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah. It's, it's dangerous. Wow. I mean, they kill one or two banner pilots every year around the country. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sure hope you're being compensated thoroughly for it. Uh, I think I was getting nine bucks. I think I was getting nine bucks an hour. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wow. What year is this? Like in the nineties? Yeah. Two thousands. Yeah. Well, they're probably only making 15 now. Jeez. Wow. So then from there, I did like midnight freight in mediocre aircrafts, some with weather radar, some without weather radar. Mediocre freight, what is that? Um, a, a mediocre aircraft. Uh, just oh. just hauling, what, you know, whatever from point A to point B. I had a buddy of mine. He flew out in, where was he? He was in Raleigh-Durham. He flew coffins every night. Coffins? With what? bodies in them. Yeah. In an aircraft called a like Cherokee 6. Like regular people? A Cherokee 6? Yeah. Like regular people or like military? No, just regular dead people. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, yo, anything, this, to, anything to build your flight time. Yo, there's so much no. like that goes on. <laughs> wow. I did like, never, this. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. So like right totally now, different world for me. So there's bodies right. being flown from city to city oh, well, to arrange it on a funeral. Checks, physical checks before we had, you know, the technology of today where the computers do it all. Checks had to be hauled from clearinghouse to clearinghouse. So there are these nice, sexy little twin-engine turboprops, sometimes jets, hauling billions of dollars worth of checks, canceled checks, because they have to go from clearinghouse to clearinghouse. I did that, too. Wow. In the middle of the night. Um, yeah, I mean, literally, trash bags full of checks. Wow. I mean, billions of dollars in one aircraft. And you're just flying them around the country. That was a huge industry, but now that's all yeah, it's digitized. Down. Uh, I used to fly traffic reporters around the Baltimore Beltway for the radio stations oh, wow. back before, you know, again, before technology took over. Um, that was a great time builder. I got, you know, I got six hours a day, five days a week. So, you know, it definitely was steady. The logbook up. So right. Funny stories about that. Um, the USS Coral Sea, very famous aircraft carrier. Um, saw a lot of action in the South Pacific during World War II. Uh, it had bounced around and it was brought into Baltimore to be broken. And um, they, it was over, I think, near Curtis Bay. Well, one day Baltimore's primary radar went out. And they're, you know, we just did laps around the Beltway. And, you know, we're talking to air traffic control the whole time. And they said, oh, yeah, radar's down. So we just quickly turned off the, the radio that's a 
that identifies us specifically. So now all of a sudden we're just a blip with no ID tag on it. And I'm lining up on the USS Carl C. I'm going to do a touch and go on this, you know, famous aircraft carrier. Which it says like, shoop, shoop. Yep. Yeah, right. And much to my dismay, oh, I think I might see the Carl C right there. Yeah. Mm. Much to my dismay, somebody touch had, and go on that. Somebody had planned on people like me trying to do just that. So they took anchor chain and zigzagged it all the way down the runway. I'm like, darn wow. it. <laughs> Swear to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing we do um, around here, we have uh, three local reservoirs, Pretty Boy, Lock Raven, and Liberty. And um, for those listening from out of state, the, the one called Lock Raven is right in the heart of the, the beltway, just north of Baltimore City. And... I've heard on good authority that local fishermen out there at sunup would uh, be sitting there minding their own business, catching their fish, and all of a sudden this toilet paper would come floating out of the heavens, tossed out of a plane. It would unravel the whole way. And by the time it gets to the ground, it's just all strung out. And uh, I have it on good authority that that was done quite a bit. Good times, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so then, there's Pretty Boy Reservoir. So then, so then you go commercial now. That's it. Um, I mean, there were quite a few more steps in between that. Oh, okay. There's more. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, back then you had to have at least 1,500 hours of total time, 200 hours of twin engine time, and then I was eligible to get my first uh, airline job, flying twin engine turboprops down in Charlotte. Uh, wonderful, wonderful experience. Great company. Um, that was that was where I learned more about flying than any other job I've ever had wow. before and or after. Oh wow! Yeah, I so mean, it yeah. takes a long time to get to like a seven forty seven or seven fifty seven. Yeah, well, not anymore. Now the the the, the, the whole scene has changed so much. Okay. It's dramatically different from when I came up through it. Okay. It's, like I said, that's that's Man. a that's a whole another couple hour conversation. Gotcha. I won't bore you all with. No, we're loving it. But, so, like turbulence, what, how, how do they train you guys for that? Um, it's it's basically fly the aircraft within the operation, operational specifications. So when we get into what we consider turbulent air, the aircraft manufacturer has designed, um, or they've determined a speed that you will fly at in turbulent airspeed. It's called turbulent airspeed penetration speed um it's the safest speed for the aircraft to fly through turbulence now with that you have to have the knowledge that you don't go through the big dark scary thundercloud i mean you just that you don't do that that snaps wings off of planes um you go around them but sometimes it's clear air turbulence but either way uh turbulence yeah you, you just you slow the aircraft up um the aircraft i'm presently flying it's either 270 knots or 0.76 mach uh, depending upon the altitude, are you like are you like dodging clouds, or are you just flying straight through it? Um, you definitely dodge the big scary stuff, but, but you don't feel it though. Like if I'm a I'm a passenger, uh, I don't feel no, the plane. You know, no, nine times out of ten you won't. That's insane. Um, no, but so you're really up there like maneuvering. Yeah, and the people are just back there eating peanuts. Yeah, yelling at their kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, they'll get, they'll get shaken crazy. up. Yeah. And they'll yeah, be like, why yeah, is it so rough? Did you go through a thunderstorm? Like, oh, no, we were 70 miles from that thing. It was just a rough air day. Wow. Not every day it's smooth air. Right. It just, just doesn't exist. That's, you know. I'm, I'm asking, like, you know how little kids ask questions. 
you fly above like birds. There's no birds up there, right? No, but no bird can fly that high. The 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 highest bird strike I ever had was down in Florida. It was at ten thousand feet, which is very uncommon, at least for any of my flying. I mean, ten thousand feet. That bird's up there. Yeah, the eagles can get that high. I think. I it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, true. Um, whatever we hit put a serious dent in the nose of the airplane. Wow. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, just we just hit one a couple of weeks ago going into Boston, and poor guy. It was a seagull, and <laughs> he hit this the, the the rim of the engine. Boy, how he was pissed off. He half of them went through the engine. The other half was splattered on the landing gear. Damn. Um, that doesn't affect the engine, like. Well, no, no, you throw a goose in there. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah. We're gonna start talking about Sully on the Hudson. Oh, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. I was just touching down. I didn't even see the damn thing. I just caught a little blur out of my eye. And uh, I mean, there's not much you could do about that. No, no. Yeah. All right. So while we're talking about critters and hitting aircraft, I was flying into Jacksonville, Florida, I don't know, four or five years ago. Quiet Saturday afternoon, summertime. You know, as you're driving down the road in any neighborhood USA and somebody's mowing grass alongside the road, the, you know, if it's a windy day, the grass will kind of roll up and blow across the road. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Um, so I noticed we're landing to the east in Jacksonville. And um, I noticed, you know, there's mowers on each side of the runway. I'm like, all right, it's just a rolled up piece of grass. So I touched down and just get the mains on, the main landing gear. Got the reversers deployed, and I realized that's not grass. That's a damn alligator, four and a half foot alligator, right on the center line of the runway. Oh wow! And I'd already deployed the uh, deployed the spoilers, so I don't have any lift. I can't bunny hop him. So get the nose on the ground, and I'm just like just tweaking, trying to get him to go between the nose gear and the left main gear, which I did. Didn't hit him, and I get on the radio, and I'm like. Talk to the tower. It's like, yeah, you got an alligator about the 3,200 foot mark. And, the, you know, I was expecting the guy to freak out. He, goes, right. he just comes back and says, not another one. Okay, thanks. I'm like, oh, I guess we are in Florida. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, every pilot, you all have the, yeah, so that voice. going to do the Santa for if we're going to, yeah. yeah. Are you guys trained to do that? Because like I love it. Yeah, we're just gonna come in right now. We got a little bit of turbulence. We're gonna so, be fine. You're put through so much from day one to to today. I mean, there's so much repetitive training, and okay. I think my fire department background uh, plays into that a lot. I, you know, I'm, I'm not easily excited. Yeah. Last call, yeah, you'll see me sprint, <laughs> uh, but airplane, no. Okay. I, yeah, I'm pretty chill. Yeah. Shout well, out to what was Sully that um, when he's in New York, he's like, we're just gonna. Lay this down on the Hudson. In the Hudson. Yeah. He was so calm. He's like, we're going to lay this down on the Hudson and we're going to be okay. I was like, yeah. He was the perfect oh, storm no. of, of, of the best pilot <laughs> for that. So military trains. Um, he was also a flight instructor. Great movie. He was also a glider pilot, a glider pilot instructor. Oh, and to top it off, he, I think he had a stress management consulting firm. Oh, nice. Oh, so God. he's got the glider thing. He's got the stress management. Yeah, we're going to Hudson. Okay. <laughs> so chill. Quick thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of a bummer because the NTSB, who's supposed to be always neutral, um, they were jerking with him. And uh, the FAA was definitely jerking with him. Uh, he didn't get a fair shake, but it was finally proven in the end that, yeah, he was an absolute mm-hmm. hero. 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah um, and it's interesting on that particular aircraft, I've got 6,000 hours in that same aircraft. There is a button on the overhead panel that says ditching. Ditching meaning you're going in the water. And what it does is it closes all the external openings on the fuselage. You know, your air intakes, your air exhaust, you know, yada, 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 yada. Mm. Little flaps that open and shut. It just shuts everything. So you have a watertight hull mm. when you land, slowing slowing the sinking of the aircraft, mm-hmm. so you can get people out the emergency exits onto the you know, the flotation. Dope. Nice, um, but yeah, the ditching button. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, what does flying do for you? Does it serve your why? Say, do, say that again. Does it, what does flying do for you? Does it serve your why in life? Oh, very much so. Yeah, and and it, many parallels between the flying and the uh, and the uh, firefighting. Every call you go on is different. Every flight you go on is different. You never know what to expect. Even if, you know, you're going from here to L.A., the weather uh, could be, uh, well, it's always a factor. You know, you could have a deviation for a mechanical. You could have a deviation for a sick passenger. You could have deviation for anything. Um, You just never know what to expect. Mm -hmm. You have to expect the unexpected. Mm. Same thing with a fire call. You know, you're responding to a dwelling fire. You don't know whether it's going to be a little shed out back or somebody's house, you know, full blown. Yeah, same thing with police work. You know, yeah, yeah. stops, all that. Exactly. Yeah, you you guys, I mean, less of an idea what's going on. You yeah. Know, we, we've got a little bit of a bigger picture. You have more control in a sense. Uh, yeah. To a certain degree. Well, we don't have to face firearms, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully, knock on wood. Um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, you guys have that variable. That... Let me ask you a question. So, like, you know, with, with all the stuff you see now on, on it, on like uh, social media, the people that are just acting out—is that like? It's, do you it's, see that more often? Absolutely. And is that something like just the? Um, I don't want to disrespect anybody's title, not the pilot, but the people that work the cabins. Oh, the flight attendants. Flight attendants. I was gonna say stewardess. Is that more so like they specialize in that? Or is there like uh, uh, marshals on the plane? Um, so uh, yes, yes, and no, and yes. Um, the flight attendants are, they're the front line. And they are trained to deal with any threat situation, um, which is quickly relayed to the uh, to the flight deck. Um, and the pick. And the what? The pick. 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 The pilot. Oh, 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 pilot command. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Um, you exactly, can't know yes. the uh, terms. Flying while I'm training. Exactly. Yeah. They, um, there are uh, federal air marshals on many flights, but the flying public never knows they're there. No. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Absolutely. And they are not supposed to engage a drunk passenger under any circumstance, um, really, they are only there if there is an attempted breach on the flight deck. On the okay, yeah, on that door. Yep. When um, it's late, it was time to go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. They got one job. Yep. So and you drunk, whatever. Yeah, because everybody's usually drunk on planes, right? They're happy. They're gonna go. Yeah, somewhere. But I get back to your other question. Um, prior to nine or prior to COVID. Um, I think once we de- left the gate, taxiing out for departure, in 18, 19 years, I bet 
uh, maybe twice we've had to turn the plane around to get rid of some idiot. Really? Um, from COVID on, and we're talking about four years now, I've had to personally do it four times. You turned the plane around? Well, uh, still on the ground. It's oh. just like, you know, the flight attendants are like, we're not putting up your silliness. Oh, they're not, they're not fucking around. No. Mm. And, Good. you know, they get on the intercom. It's like, yeah, turn around. And we totally support them 100%. The company supports us. Uh, law enforcement at the gate supports us. Um, you just can't have, a, a you know, a, a drunk or a sober, crazy person at 35,000 feet. No, not it's at all. Just, just too much liability. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You can't so, do that. Um, COVID has just turned everybody's brain inside out. Mm. Everybody's hostile. Everybody's needy. Everybody is like so selfish. It's yeah. It, it's it's not the kind and gentle world that I used to know in aviation. I could only imagine. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, unidentified flying? I was object? just about to ask that. I wish because I know that's the hot topic right now. I wish. I'm all about that. Okay. I'm like, bring it on. Yeah. I got I got no qualms about being open seen to that kind of sneak up on you a little bit. No. Nothing no. look weird up there. Any of your friends that you know that have like I had one buddy, he was going across the North Atlantic in a corporate jet and he saw something that he couldn't figure out. And was, mm-hmm. This is a really sharp guy and it was yeah. a crystal clear night. Mm-hmm. Um but a night? Yeah. So the lights look different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I'm trying to get. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to get one of my classmates on. He just made a captain salute to him, uh, Captain Pat. Um, the the guys that saw it that were in the Navy, they're all. He, he's an aviator. He said those dudes are badass. He said. He said those are my guys. Joe they Logan. saw it. Yeah. They. They. Well, it's, they're not in any way, shape, form, or fashion like those are great guys. He said they came back and they were like, what? they were speechless. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Rogan had a fighter pilot on. I don't know his name, but I watched the thing. He said that there's been times that he's running like, you know, like jet drills. Right. And there's, you know, what is it, unidentified objects up there flying around doing their drills. Well, and I tell you what, it's refreshing to see that the government is actually starting to take this somewhat serious. Um, You know, they've got a whole new commission that's reviewing this. And the, the Navy has been very bold. And they've released a lot of uh, uh, aircraft footage. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, you know, all the naysayers, it's like, we'll come and we'll give you the files. You know, you can see they're, you know, they're not doctors. I think yeah. the people already knew. It's, that's why no one was like, oh, my God. Everyone kind of like already had a feeling that, you know, there's well, UFOs but, up there. But you got the wackadoodles that, you know. I don't know. Do you think there's another life out there? I'm uh, Bring it on! I I'm not I'm I'm not one to say that there's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, why should we be the only spinning ball of dirt that has? Life Absolutely. Form? Now, it cracks me up. Everybody wants to think a life form will resemble what we look like. Right. Uh, you know, two million light years away, a life form could look like a you know melted piece of chocolate. Right. You know, floating Absolutely. around in a sea of helium. Right. Who knows? Yeah. But I've got an open mind. Bring it on. Yeah. I'm down as long as they're guests on our podcast. You know I mean? Yeah, right, right, right. We're down for whatever. <laughs> right. We come in peace. You know what I'm all day. No, I don't want no smoke. None at all. No. Where they go? Again, on Joe Rogan, they said like in the 1950s, um, you could actually you could look it up mm-hmm. that there was soldiers 
shooting up at like a UFO mm-hmm. and like the soldiers the soldiers that were shooting turned into stone. Like you can look at like you can legit look it up. That's like, pretty that's, that's crazy. insane. And like <laughs> the government was trying to like hide it from so many years. Yeah. But you know now with the internet, everything is just available. Yeah. So it's like if something can move that fast it. and do that. Yeah. I think if they want it if if they want to smoke, I don't think we yeah. Think, yeah, I, guess, I, mean, if, I think we need to work together and be like, "Yo, what's up?" If they this can get here, yeah, um, you know, that's the technology right there. Thank I mean, you. that's proof of it. And if they can go hypersonic and make ninety degree turns, yeah, it's like beef, right? It's like beef. You know where I live, but I don't know where you live. I'm not really gonna beef with you. Right. They could get here, but yes. we can't get to them. That's correct. I think we should just well, take yes. it easy. Well, if they sure. can, if they can get to us and look at us and all our silly shit that we do globally, yes. they're yeah. like, "We're not advanced." What are these things? Yes. These guys are fucking idiots. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Seriously, big Seriously. time. Yeah, you guys are yeah. fighting over what? what? Yeah, you guys can't even get on an airplane. Right, just go, you guys are all human beings, yourselves. and you're mad at that person because they're light skin or they're dark skin or. You know what? Yeah, yeah. They're gonna yeah, come yeah. to and be like, "They'll be like, uh, let's just bypass that spot." Yeah, we're not gonna stop back there in the universe, right? <laughs> Seriously, are you into animals? I love animals. I uh, grew up out in horse and cow country. Um, I've had various portions of my life where I've ridden horses. Um, I'm a big uh, horse racing enthusiast. Uh, up where I live, it's a big steeplechase racing, which for people that aren't familiar with steeplechase racing, um, everybody thinks the Kentucky Derby is the only horse racing on the planet where you run around a, a dirt oval. Uh, steeplechase racing, which comes... Even in track, too. Say again? Even in track. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, steeplechase racing came over from England. I don't know. I won't be able to pull a date out of my head. But um, basically, it's running cross-country mm-hmm. over natural terrain over um natural elements fences hedgerows what have you so it's it's gotten a little more organized and they're overset courses but i'm on several race committees and um typically a race is about three miles three and a half miles over anywhere from 12 to 19 jumps 22 jumps yeah um that stuff is cool and yeah that shit is tough it is i like watching it on tv jumping over like you gotta run then you gotta jump over and keep running. And keep running. And jump over water. Yeah. And keep running. Like on the track. And for three miles, that's yeah. legit. Uphill and down. Uphill and down, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the the the, uh, the world's toughest yeah, timber no race in the, is right up here, you know, uh, where the What's finale. the next one? Let us know. Maryland Hunt Cup. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's, it's four miles over, uh, I think it's 21 fences. That's crazy. Over fences that are five feet tall. Yeah, that's that's that, that's yeah. crazy. Oh, here we go. That's this the whole is, steeplechase. Uh, this is Saratoga. Yeah. All right, so this is a steeplechase race. This is a they call it hurdle racing, where they have fake jumps, and this is on a on a turf track like you'd find at any major thoroughbred horse racing track. Um, you know, see, it's they're they're doing the oval. See, over, it's a it's a hurdle. It's a quarter round with a f- plastic fake brush fence behind it. Um, and just looking at the silks on a bunch of these, I know a bunch of these uh, owners by the, the jerseys they wear are called silks. And every owner, every farm has silks specific. Like the to banner. Them. Yep. And um, 
after you've been in it for a while, you, you get to recognize them. Uh, and I love the sport. Absolutely mm. love it. Um, matter of fact, my family started um, a race up in Moncton called My Lady's Manor Point to Point 110 years ago. Wow. And um, I was asked to be on the race committee years ago, and it was very prestigious. And it's like, oh, we got a founding member back on the race committee. Um, by the way, we, the name need of it again? we need you to park cars. I parked cars for 12 years. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> very prestigious yeah, you had your parking cars. Uh, yeah but it's all a volunteer thing it's oh, all okay. volunteer and, and yeah, yeah i happily park cars for 12 years i don't care yeah, yeah. just uh, anything to help out the day yeah, that's love yeah uh there we go but My those lady. horses are different from like the horses that actually race right no these the are breed uh no same same horse all right, so deals. so oh, this wow. this footage is taken from the tower that I'm in the very top level of because of the the job that I have. You're looking at the last fence coming towards the home stretch, and you'll see them going from the top left of the screen to the bottom right of the screen to cross the finish line. Um, when is the next one, Bill? There's uh, all right. There's the finish line right there. You can see the tower mm-hmm. on the other side. When's the next one? Uh, there. Uh, we're getting into fall racing. There will not be any in Maryland. Oh, there's Willie Dowling. He lives right up in Cockeysville. Uh, oh, look at this. I know all these roads. Uh, the next one, there's, it's a, one of my favorite races. There we go, Manor Races. Um, uh, is Pennsylvania Hunt Cup. And that's, I think, the first weekend in November up in, up in Pennsylvania. Um, that's a great race. Nice. Uh, this is Elkridge Harford Hunt Club. Just opposite this building, excuse me, is the race course for the My Lady's Manor point-to-point race. Um, Do they have, like, cameras at each turn or something that you can... No. Oh, okay. They have, um, they have strategically placed cameras that will cover most jumps. Okay. But, I mean, some of these races you go to, the spectators can't see half the jumps. Mm-hmm. It's just the... Just, by nature. Right. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm even in this one. In this uh, thing? In this video? Yeah, this is a little blurb a guy did a while back. There's Jay Young, the director. Oh, they call him Jay Gong. <laughs> I have to tell him that. Uh, <laughs> Gus Dahl. He's a buddy of mine. I've drank many a beer in that. There I am. Nice. With a little more hair. There he is. Head patrol judge. It's chief patrol judge. It looks like I'm talking out of the corner of my mouth. And do you guys see that this evening? <laughs> no, you got it, man. Bill's the man. Uh, and they spelled my name wrong too. Did they? God. Oh, well, is what it is. Yeah. Um. So, and over my right shoulder in that picture, go back a sec. Um. Yeah, that's the very first trophy from 1909. That nice. coincidentally, my family members won. That picture on the left is uh, Charles Morgan Pierce, and I'm, I can't remember the guy's name. Those guys right. are like mobsters. Um, Pierce, they, they were the founders. Those are two of the founders of the My Lady's Manor race. Nice. Pearson is a really popular name, though, right? That's like a just Pierce. Pierce. No. Um, up in Moncton, it is. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the joke is, uh, you go to the local Episcopal graveyard. It's half full of Pierces, and the other half of uh, people that Pierces slept with, and it's <laughs> not too far off the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Norm, what we do for a living, have you had any questions about, you know, local law enforcement um, and everything that we go through? I I have a lot of friends in law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, and at the moment, I don't have any. But what I can contribute is uh, after 9-11, tragic events of 9-11, the newly formed uh, Department of Homeland Security uh brought forth a program called the Federal Flight Deck Officer Program. And that's, it was a volunteer, completely volunteer program. Um, You're totally vetted. You know, every government agency crawls inside and out of you, checks every, you know, total background check. And here we go, Federal Flight Deck. Um, It's, the, the, the idea is that pilots are, on a volunteer basis, uh, once approved, go through, you go to a federal law enforcement training facility, there's several around the country, and um, go through two weeks of training, firearms training, self-defense training, law training, uh, you know, all the aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you go, we probably shot uh, 1,100 rounds at least. Um, When, if you successfully complete that, you're a deputized federal agent US. The pilot is. Yeah. Wow. Um, again, a, a total uh, volunteer program. And um, yeah, you're literally a deputized federal law enforcement officer. Wow. Now, keep in mind, you're only able to act in that capacity in the cockpit of an aircraft. Right. So okay. I'm, I'm outside the cockpit. That, that weapon is secure. You're a pilot. Does, does not yep. apply. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wasn't going to do the program. Um, I grew up with firearms. Um, a friend of mine from Ireland, uh, he did not grow up with firearms, and he applied and was accepted to the program because you got to go do it. The training is insane. Mm. And so he talked me into it, and I did go and do it, and the training was insane. It mm. was just, I mean, we're training alongside of FBI. We're training alongside of Border Patrol um, now they got a lot more cooler toys to play with. But all we had was an H and K forty, which is a very nice, you know, weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was surreal. So yeah, at the end you're sworn, you know, and uh the most surreal thing, and this is post nine eleven, this is like three years after nine eleven, four years after, uh getting on the aircraft to fly back to wherever you lived mm-hmm. with a loaded firearm, it was just a really weird feeling. You know, you bypass security, you show them your badge. It and, felt you know, good, though, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Your badge and credentials. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And at one point, it was, I don't know the number specifically, but I heard that it was possibly the largest law enforcement organization on the planet, briefly. Wow. With a number of uh, participants. Well, you look that differently. You should be. Um, it, it. I don't know. The, the program has changed dramatically. You earned that title. Yeah. Did you it, get on a Fletzy? Uh, I went to out west of Fletzy. Okay. Um, talking about aliens, not far from there. How about that? I know. <laughs> right. They're special. Uh, they had just built a new indoor, like, I don't know, yeah, 15 lane shooting uh, range. Hmm. And we got there in like February. And the instructors are like, okay, it's your choice. We're in a class of like 25. We're going to go stand inside that for five minutes. Then we're going to go out here in the sun and the wind for mm-hmm. five minutes. You all talk amongst yourselves, decide where you wanted to spend the next two weeks, in there or out here. Unanimous outside. 
because it was cold. That uh, that big block of concrete was was uh, cold soaked. Mm. It was freezing in there. We're like, now we'll take the sun. <laughs> right, I could imagine. Yeah, sure. um, and that was I got a lot out of that program. Now it was labor intensive. You had to do it on your volunteer time. Had to requalify every six months. Every three years, you had to go back for a current training, mm-hmm. which was actually pretty cool. Um, we went to the uh, FAM training center in Atlantic City, where they had all the bells and whistles and the you know the really cool. Right. training devices that was cool um i'm glad i participated in the program i, I was in it for uh, 10 or 11 years nice um it doesn't carry with you from airline to airline oh. once you the my last airline ceased operations they surrendered their operating certificate mm-hmm. and uh i had to surrender my credentials and my weapon and that was the freakiest thing that's weird um you know i thought i would have to drive to dc and go to a certain agency and you know the, this agent called me up and I, I can't remember which agency he was with but he goes look i gotta be up in baltimore got a meeting uh and we picked a place down at and i'm like okay and i said well, what are you driving he goes oh an old rusty hoopty you know crown vic i'm like <laughs> and I'm meeting this guy in the corner of a parking lot and he was an undercover somebody for something. It looked seriously like a drug deal. We're wow. in the corner of the parking lot. We're like, hey, you know, here we I'm like, I mean, he seriously looked like he was undercover for a long time. And I'm like, you got to show me some, some identification. I'm like, I just can't give you this gun and credentials, but he was legit. But it was just, again, it was just surreal. It's just like doing a gun deal in the park. Wham, bam. Yeah. It, it uh, some, uh, supermarket <laughs> in Towson, mm-hmm. but anyway, it was. I, it, I'm glad I participated in the program. Nice, it was good. Um, yeah. So it's not like that's not rocking and rolling anymore. Um, it's I just certain airlines. Uh, no, no, it's not specific to the airline at all. Um, they've changed the program where you know, in typical government fashion, now the government's like, oh well, we're running out of money, so you got to chip in. I'm like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to carry a gun to protect? this airplane and you want me to pay for my own training so gotcha. i can't speak to that because I, I i'm not oh, up yeah, on their, it now, yeah. right i'm not up on their current uh, criteria but it, it has changed dramatically i'm sure like everything else yeah so what's next for you moving forward bill well i'm still a commercial airline pilot um i'm having fun um staying close to the volunteer fire service but not actually involved with it gotcha uh i've had over the years i've had you know interest all over the board mm-hmm. uh i stay very busy i'm you know doing all kinds of fun stuff i've in a previous life i raced sailboats on the bay uh during my fire service time i fought forest fires out west for the mm-hmm. federal government oh wow Did that for three years that was that was very cool i've never worked harder in my life 16 hour days and you're at like seven to ten thousand feet you know just fire grunt wow Cutting fire line. Next level. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, and I, you know, there might be some helicopter flight training in my future. I definitely want to learn how to fly a helicopter. Nice. But, uh, yeah, we, Dre and I were talking about, uh, my sailboat world. You want to, you want me to touch on Dominican Republic? Sure. I mean, so with my, my sailboat experience, racing experience, I'm, I'm very, well versed on a sailboat, excuse mm-hmm. me. And a buddy of mine 
who lived in a different part of the country, he also had a great deal of experience in sailboats. And he called me up and he said, this is before I had an airline job. He goes, hey, I got a delivery from Miami to St. Thomas. You want to do it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Is it all expenses paid? Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah. Matter of fact, the owner will be on the boat. I said, okay, just as long as he's not a douchebag. Right. So off I go to Miami. <clears throat> Check out this boat. It's it's like a Chesapeake Bay boat. It's not an open ocean boat. And uh, I met the owner, this crazy French Canadian who had moved to Costa Rica and had a coffee plantation in Costa Rica. Hmm. So he and his girlfriend, twenty years his senior. Oh wow! I never met her, hmm. but uh, they wanted to have the boat in St. Thomas so they could have cocktail parties. And he goes, here's the deal. We got two months to get it there. And I'm like, what? And I said, you paying for everything? Not paying us, but paying for everything. He goes, yeah. I said, well, let's go. Yeah. We stopped in every little nook and cranny between Miami and St. Croix, uh, St. Thomas. Um, good for you. I mean, literally every little nook and cranny. We had such a great time on that trip. Um, How long does it take to get from Miami? Oh, if you if you if you put your mind to it, like three days, four days. Oh wow! Yeah, I Maybe bet you he's walking bow legged, huh? Oh well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, absolutely yeah, with a hangover. <laughs> so Trey and I were talking about Dominican Republic. So we pull in Dominican Republic, and uh, to get into the port in the Dominican Republic, it's a narrow port, narrow channel, and there are range lights to get in. For people who aren't familiar with range lights, at the back of the harbor, they put this tower up with a light. And then at the mouth of the harbor, they put up another tower with a light and you got to line them up. And if you keep them lined up, you're in the channel. Mm. Well, as we're getting there and we're in broad daylight, um, there's this magnificent, probably $15 million motor sailor up on the rocks. And once we got into, uh, into the, you know, got moored and we're asking around, it's like, oh yeah, the guy tried to bring it in at night and that's where he landed. Oh wow. Yeah. Oops. (laughs) <laughs> so we get in, we get anchored up. We were not on the ground for literally 12 minutes and we're wandering around there in the port back then. It wasn't, it wasn't what it is now. And, uh, we see a little sign that says brutal rum factory tours and we go, well, we read the sign last tour is, um, I don't know, four thirty-five or four thirty, And, you know, we're at like four thirty-five, and, the guy says, oh, yeah, just go down that hallway. You'll catch up. And then we're, like, good on the hallway, and we see the little sign that says tasting room. So we just beeline into the tasting room. And 20 minutes later, the rest of the tour showed up. And that's kind of how the whole Puerto Plata thing started. But um, in the right there in the harbor, there's a chicken and rib shack called the Boar House. And we went in there. And, yeah, really good food. And it turns out it was from an expatriate from Annapolis, Maryland. Mm. And he's like, yeah, I got sick of the States. My wife's, you know, from DR. So opened up the chicken and rig shack to, you know, just for sailors, you know, American sailors. And he was making a good go of it. And we're hanging out. And he goes, well, what are you guys doing this evening? I don't know. I haven't been here that long. He goes, well, I've got the Boarhouse Annex restaurant bar and whorehouse in town. Nice. <laughs> so he gives us a car and says, Hope to see you later. I'm like, okay, cool. Just like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, he was quite a colorful character. I, he, he actually wanted me to get a Maryland flag for him and send it down to him. When I got home, I did. 
Um, so yeah, that was that was quite interesting. Uh, we were getting ready to leave uh, Puerto Plata. This big storm blew in and um, pushed all the boats to the back of the harbor. I mean, like crash, boom, bang, broken fiberglass. That was interesting. So we delayed 24 hours. There was a big Navy ship there, U.S. Navy ship. And I, we're like, we got to check the weather. So we call the, I get on the radio and I call the Navy ship. Say, hey, give us a quick weather briefing. So it's, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of a low pressure, you know, but you'll be fine. It's like, all right. So we discussed it. Our next stop was uh, Puerto Rico. So we're going to come out, going across the north side of the DR. And we're getting the crap beat out of us. This low pressure had moved in a little closer. Well, mm. as I said before, this boat is a Chesapeake Bay style boat. Very tender. It's not an open water boat. Mm. And we're getting the shit beat out of us. I mean, you know, 15 foot seas. We blew the wooden bow pulpit off the off the front of the boat because the waves are so bad. So we ducked into this little inlet. And I was looking today on a topographic map trying to find the little inlet we went in to be able to tell you. Maybe you might recognize it, but. Um, in the, in the sailboat cruising guides, it says, do not go in this area. They don't like, you know, people that aren't from there. Right. Well, there's people there. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So we go in there and sure enough, they, I don't want to call it a war canoe, but they, they were not happy we're there. And we had three anchors out because the rollers were so big. And the, fortunately the rollers were big enough to keep them from coming out after us. And we're like, okay. So we left. I don't know, 12 hours later. And we kept like scooting modern around. pirates. And yeah, seriously. Yeah. They didn't want any parts of us there. Mm. And um, so we're back out in the open water. Now, keep in mind, that's a Puerto Rican trench. That's 28,000 feet deep. Damn. And that affects, you know, weather affects the Puerto Rico, the, the water in the, in the Puerto Rican trench. They all work together to make very confused, crazy-ass seas. And we're just like, this is crazy. So... We went around <clears throat> to the corner between DR and uh, uh, Puerto Rico, and we did a louis back up into Bahia de Semana. It's basically uh, Dominican Republic's version of the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. We're like, all right, well, let's just go back here. So we went all the way to the back to Samana and, oh, yeah, Samana, yeah. Uh, and, and anchored up there and um, met some interesting people there. And, the weather finally chilled, and after two days, we well, here was a bummer. We're we're moored up at this pier. Next morning, I'm up on deck eating my cornflakes. There's a boat on the other side. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know, I'm thinking, great, I'm going to meet somebody from around the world. It's awesome. And uh, so we're chit chatting. Oh yeah, where are you from? Because oh yeah, I'm uh, keep my boat up in a place called the Inner Harbor in Baltimore. I'm just like. <laughs> All right, I'm, me and my cornflakes are going back down below. <laughs> right. I don't need to come this far to talk to somebody from Baltimore. Absolutely not. Yeah. So anyway, off we went and uh, explored some more of the Dominican Republic. But that was that was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, we went to a funeral while we were there in Puerto Plata. <laughs> we hired a kid to do our shopping for us. He was a super cool kid, and he goes, "Hey, look, I can't help you today. My aunt died," mm-hmm. and he goes do you want to come with me? And I'm like, hell yes. <laughs> and we went, we had these scooters and down these little avenues. And it was not uh, by any stretch a nice part of town. Um, you know, like trash and sewage and the gutters. And, right. Um, but we get up to, I'll never forget this. We get up to where his aunt lived. And I don't know what the religion is down there, but it was kind of like the old days where they laid 
laid the dead person out on the table in the front room and you come in and you pay respects. We didn't go in the house. I just kind of looked at the door and went, yeah, no. Mm -mm." Uh, And uh, I'll never forget riding out of there. These two little girls in this, you know, desperate part of town in their Sunday going to meeting clothes, mm-hmm. sitting in this doorway. I wish I had a camera with black and white film. It would have been the coolest picture. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a lot of just wonderful experiences there. That's wild. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Sound like you you could definitely write a book. Yeah, I don't know if anybody read it, but um, I I enjoy I enjoy adventures like that. That's awesome. I enjoy meeting people. I, you know, you know, just before we started this, learning about you guys, what you guys mm-hmm. do. I, I mean, yeah. I love talking to people and learning about what everybody else does in the world. Definitely. Uh, yeah, we're only on this spinning ball of dirt for a short period of time. And might as well maximize the time on it. Exactly. Get to learn and love each other. Yeah, exactly. We need a whole bunch more of loving. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. The, the world's just coming apart at the seams, um, not just in this country, everywhere. Right. <laughs> so, the 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 army general in russia mm-hmm. who was credited for a big push into the ukraine well then putin pisses him off then you know after they finish their campaign in the ukraine he starts heading towards moscow well you that. remember all that in the news mm-hmm. yeah i mean this guy's got him the size of you know soccer balls yeah going up against putin and then you know so they he stops like 15 miles outside of Moscow and they negotiate. It's like, okay, well, we're going to exile you to this neighboring country. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, he's not going to live a week. Well, you saw just last week. Yeah. Oh, gee, the plane he was on just happened to explode. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? Just how did that happen? If I was on a plane and that guy got on it, I would be cl- I'd be going over the overwing exit getting off that plane because you know that plane's not. It's not going that far. Uh, I'm just, I'm surprised he lived that long. Right. But then Putin's, uh, you know, remarks on tv he had a very complicated demise (laughs) no you were pissed off you killed him (laughs) but we all we're just wondering what took you so damn long (laughs) it's insane what's going on yeah nuts Mm -mm. well hopefully things will get better we can only help right if not cold beer yeah all day yeah good stuff bill I appreciate you coming on. I, you know, I, I hope I said something that was entertaining and you know. everything no, was I mean, uplifting yeah, and, and just so yeah. I've never even heard like this talking about everything, your experience. It was breathtaking because it was just so new for me. Right? Knew With nothing about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just embarking on the journey that you took us through was amazing. Well, just listening to it and just understanding it. I, I hope I made some sense of it. And there's there's many more layers to the to the onion. So uh, we definitely got to have another. We got We got to go at it again. All right. I'm I'm game. We legit did like land, sea, and air. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Single boats, horses. We hit all. We hit bullet points, but there's layers. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, I, real quick, uh, after 9-11, I was a pilot and a firefighter. And after seeing the devastation in you know, Ground Zero, pilots being killed, pilots being unemployed, firefighters, uh, law enforcement being killed. I'm like, all right, what can I do? So I started a, a fund called Maryland Cares. Mm. And I was on the front page of the local paper with my pilot's uniform on with my firefighting gear and my arm. Awesome. And we raised a bunch of money for the Children's and Widows and Orphans Fund. Um, 
then years later, I started a women's shooting group, sporting clay shooting group, and our instructor, who was my had been my prior instructor, uh, he ended up passing from cancer. But um, back then, you could go and donate blood in somebody's name, mm-hmm. and you know that's changed. And anyway, so I'm like, all right, well, what can we do? Um, I can't give blood, you know, for him. So I started. A, I called the Red Cross and said, hey, I want to start a blood drive. So that ran for 13 years. COVID kind of put an end to that. Wow. But in 13 years, donated back 564 pints of blood. And I ran it, you know, all by myself. Wow. Um, and it was it was called the Hunt for Blood. And uh, it was with the local hunt club up, up country. That's awesome. And uh, the Red Cross just didn't know whether to shit or go blind with me. Because after uh, you donate blood, you go in the other room, which was just up on the monitor. And I give you a pint glass with the logo. It says Hunt for Blood, like, you know, 2011. And you got a Bloody Mary. Nice. Oh, the Red Cross. Their, <laughs> uh, their heads explode. You I can't know that was like, that. you got to be kidding me. I'm like, that's your room? This is my room. Right. Shut up. Oh, yeah. I do what I want in this room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I butted heads with them quite a few times. But anyway, more layers to the onion. Um, well, next time, I'm going to get you guys to talk a little more. You know, learn about your worlds. Perfect. Let's uh, do it. I'd like that. I'm all for it. I'm always, you know, keen on hearing somebody else's story. Absolutely. Let us know about these horse races. Uh, every spring, we every weekend come, in we April. Come up. We oh, definitely. Every, we come you know, up. I'm 60 years old. Never been to the previous. Never been. You got to go. Never been. Previous is amazing. Yeah. Uh, never been. It's a movie. I'd always go the day before Black Eyed Susan Day. Okay. Because back, you know, days gone by, you'd have the same caliber of racing with only a third of the people true and um, i was all about that and then they finally figured that it's like oh we're leaving a lot of money on the table you gotta go to the day all right all right it's a show Maybe it's we'll really together, it's really cool though it really is cool i love it yeah everybody all dressed up yeah, yeah. got their little hats on and shit you know yeah it's laid back it's but a good time getting out of pimlico after those races i mean the traffic you know it's like Argh. don't drive Get car service. Yeah, it'll be yeah, with yeah. us. It'll be fine. Right. Yeah, it'll be fine. Well, you guys got the right connections. Yeah. <laughs> we know a couple people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Definitely. Yeah, we'll good happen. stuff. But thank you, Bill. Thank I appreciate you. All very you. Much. I can't wait to the next one. This yeah. is fun. Definitely. Well, like, like I say, I, I hope you know the, the listeners you know, are interested in my story. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. My peoples. I want to thank I want to thank Bill for coming on. I appreciate him, everything he's done for the world. He's done so much, and I even know about the jeez with the the the, the blood blood drive. Yeah, blood drive. Blood That's drive. amazing. And the and the Widows and Orphans Fund. Amazing. And then give her free Bloody Marys right after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about that, right? How about that? Oh. And then we'd bring dogs in too, and oh, that just totally blew the red. I know there was dogs like... in the donation room. <laughs> you can pack all your stuff up and leave. The dogs are staying. Absolutely, but it's just an amazing thing. It just you know it, it shows you you know the people that we bring on. Everybody does their part, and if the world was just about love and uplifting, and just being happy for one another, we'll be at such a better place than where we are right now. Exactly, it well, really so. will. It really will be. But thank you, Bill. I appreciate everything you do and everything you continue to do. Well, thank you very much. And just so happy to finally, you know, make it down here. We've been talking about this for quite a while. Yeah. Yes, sir. All the calendars lined up, and here we are. Perfect. Beer's See how God works. Beer's cold. Company's yes. good. 
Yep. And let's have fun. Thank you. Definitely. Cheers. <laughs> Folks, we love you. We appreciate you. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. Silverback Chronicles podcast is the podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. Dre. Peace and love. Triple C. I, my peoples, be safe. Season five. We love you. Talk to you later. Be easy. on the Silverback Chronicles podcasts are those of the hosts, producers, and or the guest appearing on the program. They do not reflect the views and opinions of the federal, state, or local government. This includes but not exclusive to the Department of Defense, Homeland, and the Baltimore City Police Department. The Silverback Chronicles podcast with Dre, Big H, and Triple C. Hit the subscribe button, like and comment.